Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for basis of opinions. Today is September 20th, 2023, and this is episode 377. My name is Jake English. And I'm Zach Wilt. That's right, Scott Magnus is on the West Coast, where he is assuredly writing synopses for future Dongs After Dark episodes. And it's at this point that I should tell you that we now will lubricate the show. That's right, it's time for the drink of the week. Zach, what are you drinking this evening? Oh, it's my favorite time of year, Jake. It is Sam Adams' Oktoberfest season, and um, that's kind of what I've been drinking uh, a, a fair amount as we head into fall. I am in Florida where fall consists of like 85-degree days instead of 95-degree days, so this is what I have to use to uh, really make it feel like the fall weather that I'm sure you're experiencing up north in Maryland. I was terrified at first because I thought this was going to be another conversation about pumpkin, but Scott's not here. <laughs> I, I appreciate you for uh, for keeping that right where it belongs. Uh, I myself am working my way through a boxed Cabernet Sauvignon from Bodavox. Uh, I'd like to bring the class to this program, but I have also been uh, working my way through a couple of uh, leftover IPAs this week, uh, which I, I have been enjoying if you're looking to see what it is that uh, Scott and I are doing to get through each game, you can find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. Scotty's at MAGN8606. And Zach, can people stalk you online in your alcoholic uh, choices? Uh, not on Untapped, but on, on some other social networks. And with that, it's time to go for a checkup. All right, Zach, it finally happened. We finally admitted to ourselves that Ryan Mountcastle is hurt, that his sh- that his shoulder ouchie time. was something more serious, and it's time to get some treatment. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle was unavailable for the longest of times, finally placed on the IL retroactive to the 17th of September with AC joint inflammation in his left shoulder, I will admit to not knowing what that is, despite having stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> uh, but how concerned are you with this particular injury, both for the stretch run, uh, the dwindling stretch run, and the uh, playoff games? Yeah, hopefully the uh, the Angels will help us make that stretch run a little bit shorter as uh, we are keeping our eyes glued to that box score as we record tonight. Um, you know, I mean, it's just like everything else with this team where obviously, uh, Mount Castle's played a huge role throughout this season, but this team just seems to have this like next man up mentality where every time it seems like the guy that they're focused on, the, the guy that is helping them, uh, achieve wins, um, either slows down, becomes injured. Someone else just steps up into that place, and I don't want to curse it. I don't want to talk about how special this team is and that's and and this crazy amount of depth that they've built to get to this point. Um, but I just feel like you know I, I'm not sure that there is anyone that could make me seriously raise a red flag and think that things are going to totally crumble. Um, so I, I'm glad that we finally got the news on on Mount Castle. You know, like you said. Uh, retroactive to the 17th of September. Um, but I, I feel like th- this team's strong. The offense is strong. Um, they're playing some tough teams, but uh, but they'll be all right. The other notable injury note is uh, Aaron Hicks, who left uh, Monday's game with a cramp uh, of his hamstring. The hamstring that's been given him uh, fits this season. That was an interesting situation because in addition to Mount Castle, you had a player who was unavailable for a questionable period of time. I don't really think that losing Hicks hurts uh, because, you know, just to your point, I think that he is uh, highly replaceable. Uh, but I, I do want to make sure that the yeah. roster spot 
is not lost. So I'm curious to see. I, I you know I didn't watch most of the game today. I saw that he wasn't in an action. Uh, but I'll be curious to see, you know, if he's able to return to the lineup in a meaningful way. Yeah, his comments made it seem like it wasn't, you know, anything out of the ordinary. Like you said, it's been a kind of a factor for him all year. But like you said, I think that's the biggest factor is the uh, that spot because that's going to be huge. And I mean, I have question marks up and down this roster about how it's going to look in October. Um, I'm glad I'm not the one that has to make those decisions. But uh, but yeah, that's the biggest thing. Definitely, definitely a replaceable guy. But uh, you love having him in that lineup. I love seeing the uh, the reactions from Yankees fans anytime he does something uh, something great. So you want to make sure you plug him back in whenever he's uh, healthy and able to get back in there. Well, we don't have to make the decision, but the beauty is that we get to second guess the decisions <laughs> about roster construction and everything else, as is our right as fans. Well, with that, let's go ahead and take a look at this week in Orioles baseball. 280 characters or fewer this week on the X, formerly known as Twitters. Our first tweet is going to come to us from uh, Pressbox on X, Pressbox Online. On this date in 1998, Cowherton Jr. took himself out of the lineup, ending his streak at 2,632 consecutive games played. And, Zach, it's amazing. That is an incredible, incredible thing. Of course, it was, a, it was a impressive feat, but it's more incredible that it was that long ago. That I yeah that's my big takeaway. 1998. <laughs> I just feel so old. I I feel so old. I I remember this very vividly and um you know what an impact uh watching Cal play had uh, on my life and my fandom as an Oriole fan for so long on for so many teams that really you watched because of Cal and and at the end because of the streak. Um, gosh, how did how did we get to be so old so quick? I don't know, but uh, but it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> so our second one uh comes from the orioles so the h2o's did you see this picture jake i, I i'll do my best i know we're in audio medium but you've got uh the orioles in the clubhouse with uh well their swim gear on right goggles uh most of them without shirts got their uh their swimmies on the arms they're all dressed as uh as mr splash they're ready to go they're mr they're all mr splash right we saw the video to accompany this uh um I love it. I love it. I love I love embracing that. Um, I, you know, as as a fan from afar, haven't gotten to experience uh, experience that firsthand. Um, but I love to see that the the guys in the clubhouse embracing it, um, see what the club has done to, uh, you know, to to make this a, a, a main staple throughout the season. We get the um, I watch, you know, all the games here on MLB TV and uh, and, you know, it's it's very common, a part of of the commercials that I see over and over again. Um, so I love that connectivity. How has it been this season, like at Camden Yards? What has that experience been like? Oh, it's been super fun. Uh, and the, the fun the funny thing is, is that at this point, like it's a known quantity. And so I, what I really love is watching like national TV broadcasts reacting to it and watching them like go through in, in real time and process their emotions that we we worked over several weeks i just think it's cool that you know this picture is a good example of like this isn't hazing the rookies you know this is this isn't this is the team buying into just hey we're gonna be fun dudes that's what we're gonna do um and i i love that uh, it also makes me wonder like you know last year it was the the home run chain this year it's like a whole waterworks <laughs> and so I wonder, like, will this continue on into 2024 or will there be something else ridiculous and fun and, and interesting in 2024? I don't know, like, how these things originate, like where they come from, but it does sort of seem like every year has a different theme, you know. And I mean, this is a big one, right? Like the chain was just a, a, a you know, just a chain. Right. And you saw them in the, in the crowd and the fans embrace that. But, man, this is like taken on a life of its own. So it's hard to imagine it not being a part uh, of this 2024 season. I don't know. I guess it'll depend on how things go for the Orioles in October. Um, but, you know, I'm sure that there will, in addition to it, be something new that we didn't see coming out of left field either. Scotty and I keep wondering if Mr. Splash will continue to be active like in fall and playoff games. Like how cold does it have to get before he yeah. stops spraying down section? Well, what kind of temperatures are you getting up there now? I don't know. It's like in the mid seventies now. Okay, you get some some cold October baseball games yeah. though, man. Yeah, I'm preparing to pack my jacket for my for my flights up north. So, 
Um, yeah, I know. That'll be interesting. I'm hoping to be able to buy some nice, warm, orange postseason gear. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, our next tweet comes to us from Orioles Fan Therapy at O's Fan Therapy. Heston Kerstad, Silent J, as it were. Uh, exit velocity over his first 13 at-bats. 104 5, 104.5, 104.7, 98.3, 107.6, 94.6, 96.3, 96.4, 101.2. It's the hard. We, we all knew that Kerstad had power. We all knew that Kerstad could hit. I'm really surprised. I was really surprised that he was the one that was promoted. And I'm really surprised that he is performing as well as he has. He seems like he can hit at this level. It's another one of those where, and I agree with you on, I I was a little surprised too. And then every time I'm surprised and I see the success of this team, I'm like, why, why am I questioning this team? (laughs) Why am I questioning Mike Elias's decision-making? Why, why am I questioning, you know, the moves that Brandon Hyde's making in the bullpen? Because it just, you know, they clearly have information that I don't have uh, and, and clearly know this team better than I do. It just seems like every time you see these guys and obviously, you know, being a fan, we've been we've been following what what Heston's doing uh, down on the farm. But you're just like there just seem to be such a plethora of these guys that it, it just is we're we're caught up in the excitement of what's happening this season. But it's a reminder that this team really is here to stay. Like the depth is amazing in the farm system, and I'm encouraged and I'm looking forward to it. And I think this is a really special year, but. I just hope it's the start of of very many special seasons because they just continue to pluck guys like this from the minors and throw them right into the majors and have them hit the ball very, very hard. And, you know, the script is supposed to be he struggles for a month while he gets his footing and the, you know, the book is out on him. Uh, but instead, we're getting this and and I will take it. I love the home run on Tuesday, the one that uh, that they said on the broadcast would have been a home run only in Houston. But, man, that ball was was tattooed like as soon as he made contact with that ball. I knew it was a home run. It was just it's special. It's going to be fun watching him uh, take some ABs. All right. Our last tweet comes to us from Sarah Lang's uh, Slangs on Sports, of course. Look at the top of the AL West, she writes. This is the first time that three teams in the same division were all within half a game or fewer of first place with all ten, uh, with all having ten games or fewer left to play since the divisions began in 1969. Now there's a picture of the standings, and you've got Houston at 85 and 68, and then Seattle and Texas both a half game back. And the reason that I brought this up is that Zach, it could be worse. <laughs> we, we are in a tight divisional race with the Rays. We just can't seem to separate from them. But it could be worse. Can you imagine if it was us and the Rays and Toronto duking it out all within a game of one another, the the division being up for grabs in the most uh, past-the-tums kind of way possible? <laughs> Yeah, past the thumbs is uh, the the perfect thing to say because I don't think my stomach could handle it. I'm I'm barely able to handle watching the uh, the Rays box score every night. I don't need to be watching you know two games, uh, maybe even more. Right? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm grateful for the situation. I do feel like it's worth pointing out, right? That like where would the Blue Jays, who are in third place in the AL East, be had they been playing in the AL West? Like I also think this is a testament to again how good is the American League East. Like it's always, I mean, for as long as I've been a fan, like it is the division to uh, to be in. If and if you can win that division, um, you know, you're usually the best team in the league. And this is another another case. Not that uh, not that I don't think Houston's going to be, you know, a, a team that uh, is going to be really solid in October. Um, but again, the East just kind of goes unmatched here, here. All right, well, with that, let's take a quick break, step aside, and when we come back, we'll go around the bases.
All right, let's do it. Let's go around the bases and here at first base, Zach, I want to talk about the state of Orioles pitching. And let's start with the rotation. First and foremost, no longer a six-man rotation. And so with the departure of uh, Jack Flaherty to the pen, here's what we got left. We got uh, John Means, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, Kyle Gibson. So let's just do a quick hit through each of them. John Means, I'm curious to see what your reaction to his return to the, the team has been and what we've seen out of him so far. Coming back from the injury, right, it's it's tough. I think my expectations were low. I, I felt like before I opened Baseball Reference, I felt better about <laughs> about what I saw than what the numbers are showing. I'm still encouraged, by the way, but I feel like I should uh, should read off um, what the stats are. But uh, but two, you know, two starts had the uh, the start on the 12th um, against the Cardinals, five innings, five hits, three runs, three earned, no walks and a strikeout. Um, I really thought that uh, that you know he pitched well in the win against Houston, the eight seven win, uh, again with five innings, four hits, one earned run, um, three walks, and a strikeout. So that's that's good enough for a three point six ERA. Um, I, again, I think because it's coming off that injury, he's looked good. I think the stuff has looked good too, better than perhaps the the numbers indicate. Um, so I've been pretty happy with with that return coming off a of Tommy John injury. Yeah, and I think. For me, it's the time, right? This is, we needed a starter badly. We needed the return of John Means. And John Means is not, by all accounts, back to himself, right? He, he has himself has said that he's not happy with his breaking stuff outside of the change. Not happy with his breaking stuff yet. Um, and, you know, what, what is it that Buck would say? With, uh, one pitch you can compete, with two pitches you can win, and three pitches you can dominate. I'm sure I've butchered that but it's something like that and i look at john means and if he's down to his fastball and his changeup, and you know a year plus of rust coming off of tommy john and can give us five highly competent innings every time around for the next 10 games i'm okay with that i i think that that's perfectly fine and to be honest with you in october where it's going to be there is no tomorrow every day I'll take that then as well. Um, so I, I look at John Means' return. I'm so glad that he's healthy. And for now, I think it's good enough. Definitely. All right. Uh, what about Grayson Rodriguez? We have to look. We have to like what we've seen. Whew. Gosh. Yeah, I really liked what I've seen from Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, particularly the, the last start against Tampa, right? So eight innings, five hits, no earned runs, uh, massive, massive start in a huge game. Orioles 6-4 win uh, there on the 16th. I'm looking just at, at just the level of of quality starts, right? Uh, just quality start on, the, on July 28th, quality start on August 8th, quality on the 14th. Uh, on the 22nd, I mean, you, you, the list goes on, right? He's been, he's been consistent. Um, you know, that, that start against Boston prior is really the only shaky one, but, um, looks like an ace. Can we say that? Can we go that far? He's at least taken a step forward since coming back. Um, you know, whatever changes were made, uh, with the, with the trip down on the farm and coming back, uh, have been dramatic. And I just, I, I feel that faith in him on the mound that I didn't feel in the earlier part of the year. Yeah. I would, I would say he absolutely looks like an ace. And I, I, I agree with you that I think the most impressive change since he's come back has definitely been between his ears. Because you know the stuff was always there, I think, but he's he's pitching now, and he is staying within himself emotionally. And this sounds like such a dumb thing, but I, I think he's also doing well, you know, with the media after games. I think he's doing a really good job of you know not getting too high, not getting too low. I'm sure that has everything to do with the clubhouse and you know Hyde and Gibson and and you know all of his friends being there and whatnot. But it just seems like he is a man who's comfortable where he is doing extremely well not taking it for granted but at the same time you know just going about his business he's everything that we hoped for and uh, we've we've gotten it when it's been the most critical yeah I, i'll call that his stuff and th i feel like that's such a, a a difference between you know the orioles this year and the orioles of the past i don't know and, and i'm sure talent level has something to do with it too but 
that what they've built in the organization to to be first of all to be able to recognize that and then to be able to implement it, it that is huge i mean there are guys on you know maybe 29 other teams that have talent like that but you know have these struggles and aren't able to mentally rebound and that's just something that this year i feel like has made such a difference for them and it's i don't know how you quantify that but it's been huge in their success this year. Yeah, and the other thing, let's not kid ourselves, this team was horrible for 14 years. And so they had plenty <laughs> of high draft picks, right? What's What's been the difference? Well, yeah, obviously, Grace Rodriguez is a special talent, and I'm not, and I'm not uh, discounting that in any way, shape, or form. But the organization is able to obviously support these guys much better, um, and we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing that. Um, Dean Kramer. Let's let's talk about Dean. I feel like he is hit or miss, and the, yeah, the hits are great, uh, but the misses are becoming more frequent as the season gets on. Um, I, I don't know. I still trust Dean Kramer uh, with the ball. I just feel that he's someone that that maybe, especially as we start looking forward to the playoffs, the leash gets a little shorter, right? Yeah, totally. And and kind of going back to your point of, you know, you you needing a little bit less out of these guys with with having a a uh pulling a guy a little bit quicker as these games get more important. I think that's helping me and how I feel about Dean Kramer, because the Dean Kramer of August was pretty solid. Right. You had, uh you know, three innings uh, or three starts of uh, six innings and one of of seven against, you know, some pretty good opponents. There's a a, a start in Houston there and um, a start against the Blue Jays um, a little bit, you know, on the shakier side. We start to see a little bit more walks as we get into September. Um but like you said, I feel like the stuff is there, and and if they have the depth, the bullpen's a little burned out right now, right? So that, I think that's kind of the uh, the the part that scares me a little bit more. Um, but I feel like the the stuff is there, and if you're in October and the bullpen is a little bit more well more well rested, or you can go to uh, a guy who you know might traditionally be in a starter role um, to to relieve him, um, I still feel like he's got the stuff to uh, you know to help them succeed in October. Are you saying it's perhaps important to not play in a wild card series for this team? <laughs> oh, please, <laughs> please. Let's not play in a wild card series. Can we please make that happen? Yeah, that makes me bring the thumbs for that, man. That's uh, yeah. Let's, let's hope they get that top seed and we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Uh, another one that I'm, I'm pretty confident about these days is Kyle Bradish. Kyle Bradish has put together just a litany of, of really effective uh, and at times dominant starts. And you look at his September, a little bit of an outlier there is the four earned runs in the start on September 14th. But you look at the, the number of innings, six, seven, six, six. You know, then you go back to August and it's six, six, six with a seven and then one outlier of, uh, four and two thirds. He is keeping himself in ball games, keeping the, the team in ball games. And again, at times flashes, um, really, really good stuff. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me are those innings totals, right? Um, and then, you know, you had the start uh, for, for the Orioles uh, on, on Wednesday, right? Tough tough loss against Houston, but still getting six innings when the bullpen is as burned out as it as it was entering that game is is huge, right? Um, and keeping them in that game, I mean, that, that game game down to the offense, right? Two hits over six innings, still struck out nine against, you know, one of the best offenses in baseball. He's keeping them in it. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's, that's it right there, keeping a very talented team, a team, frankly, that scares the pee out of me. Uh, scoreless over those six innings. It's not just that he ate up innings. He effectively ate up those innings. Um, and then that lastly brings us to Kyle Gibson. And Kyle Gibson for me is a little bit of a question mark because he's a guy, I don't know if it, if I'm falling for the, you know, the veteran presence or what. He's a guy that I don't necessarily worry about, but his last couple starts have been troubling. And I, I need Kyle Gibson to get it back together so that, you know, as we look to the playoffs, we're not asking ourselves, you know, do we have to hand the ball to one of our, you know, rookies or can we depend on the experience, the level headedness that, that Gibson provides? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and, and it came in a win, but the start against Houston, the four and two thirds, uh, I think really, you know, that, that was 
didn't come at a great time. Uh, talked a lot about the the bullpen woes, right? Um, and you know, you've got a start at the end of August. It's four and two thirds, allowing seven earned runs uh, against the, the White Sox offense, right? So it's it's the inconsistencies. It's the it's the not knowing what you're going to get, not knowing how far into a game you're going to go. Um, the walk totals in September have been up a little bit, so. Um, yeah, I definitely feel a little more shaky when when he's on the mound compared to the other four. Yeah, and September, I mean, has been a little more solid. I think it's just the echoes of a really rough patch there in August are are probably what's you know causing that that perhaps emotional response. The other thing with Gibson is that my observation has been when he's mechanically not sound, you know, there are a lot of non-competitive pitches. And I think that's what that's what takes him out uh, so early. So I and you see it right away, yeah. don't you? It's like yeah. you can tell early on what kind of night he's going to have. Right, he's going to struggle through this one, or we're going to be all right. Uh, I would yeah. like him to be all right in the playoffs if, if that's okay. <laughs> if I if I could order that one up, I, I'd love to. Um, you mentioned that the the bullpen is exhausted, and boy howdy, it most certainly is. Um, what do you do about that? How do you solve a problem like a cooked bullpen? Uh, well, how about Jack Flaherty, the bullpen? Does that help? Can we do that? I mean, does that help? I, I know <laughs> that we can do it. Um, I don't know. I don't know about how prudent it is, and I don't know how effective it will be. Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty is a guy I want to pitch well. I, I want that to be a story that works. I, I just. He is terrifying when he's, when he's out there, and he, you know, he did well in that in that uh, relief appearance. He ate up some some innings at a crucial time, but ah, I, I just don't know how you hand him the ball and feel good about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, and and I like you said, I do feel like you know I need to sit here and give him credit because it's a big win um, against Houston, and in which he's pitching two very important innings allowing just three hits. Um, but yes, I, uh, I, I definitely feel the same way. Uh, how do you, how do you do that? Uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that the, that the angels win tonight. Right. I think like taking a little bit of, uh, of relief off of the Orioles and knowing that, you know, hopefully the magic number will go down to, to seven um, and they can win this division um, and, you know, rest a little bit more uh, knowing that the games don't quite matter would really be nice, but I just don't know how long that's going to take because the race just don't seem to be going away. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. How do you do it? What, what's your answer, Jake? I, I don't know. And the, and the thing is, is that I wish that there were more options who could give the Orioles length. And I think that's really the piece that's missing. I mean, that's, that's the role that, that Flaherty needs to step into, but Everybody else you look at, and it's like this is a a one to one and two thirds inning guy. And so when we have an early departure or a fire in the early goings, you know, at that point, the way Hyde has been using his bullpen, it is a all hands on deck. Let's bridge it through. Let's use eight pitchers to get to the ninth inning. And I don't know. I I think maybe it needs to be a little less cute, perhaps, when the bullpen is is blown out but at the same time you know the the other argument is well let's win today and damn the torpedoes and worry about tomorrow yep. tomorrow and it's worked 95 times <laughs> right uh right so i don't know i don't i don't know how to feel about it i don't know how to fix it honestly i, I feel like if if uh the pitching can just hold you know, hold it together with bubble gum and tape until the end of the season They'll get a series to everybody take a deep breath and, you know, be as fresh as possible in the ALDS. Not, it's not a great answer, but. Well, and I'm sure that's what they're thinking, right? Like these games are just so important right now. And, and you do, you like, you, you, you play them all to win them all to hopefully win the division and get that series to rest. And, and I mean, you know, even looking at Wednesday's game, right? Like you, you would probably be pretty happy that Kyle Bradish went six innings against the Astros offense, but it still took four more relief pitchers to get through that game. And ultimately, you know, it's a two, one loss on a walk off and, it's it's tough. That's that's the biggest concern for me, I think, is with right now. Um, that's that's kind of like the worst case scenario is this bullpen uh, gets overused trying to win the division. And I don't want to say the wild card uh, words, but um, if you are at that point with a with a burned up bullpen, that's that's going to be tough. But 
man, that's why winning that division would just be so huge. I think that's the answer we're looking for. Just win the division at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, let's head our way over to second base, and I want to ask you, um, you know, things are never as bad as they seem, uh, perhaps never as good as they seem, but things look pretty bleak for a while there. They, they, there were a couple of really dark days. So I ask you this, did surviving a disappointing Cardinals series and a grueling Rays series uh, save the Orioles' season? Did, have they successfully weathered the storm? <laughs> yeah, they haven't had too many tough storms to weather this year, right? Like there haven't been the stretches. We always hear the stat, uh, you know, about uh, they were going for a, a win today, right? And and could move 40 games over 500 for the first time since since 1979, right? And and uh, what's the what's the series? Uh, 89 consecutive series um with with without being swept right like the, these crazy stats just about how consistent and how good they are but you know you'll get set at september and and i think admittedly right due to that cold stretch they're a little bit colder than they were in in july and august uh, i definitely think it tested the fan base right who perhaps have not been um too used to that this year uh you, you hop on uh twitter x whatever or the facebook groups um and see some of the reactions to uh you know some of the stuff that even the the best teams fan bases are used to seeing at some point throughout the year but that orioles fans have not been used to uh seeing this season and the reaction was just you know doom and gloom and it was all going to fall apart and here we are with a team that has 95 wins and best record in the american league um, I hope so. I hope that was uh, I hope that was their trying time for the year and that uh, it's smooth sailing from here on out. Um, you know, I definitely think that uh, that like we were saying earlier uh, in the show that it just seems like they were looking for the next few people to step up. And that's kind of what happened um, in Houston, taking two out of three there. You, you saw some guys step up while some other guys cooled down. And that's that's kind of been the name of the game for the Orioles all season, I think, right? Like I mean, there, there have been a few guys who have had amazing years and have been consistent, but it just seems like when somebody cools off, it's just the next person up who uh, kind of puts the team on their shoulders and carries them to the next winning streak. So you think that the, uh, the team, not so much whether the storm it was the fan base, is it, <laughs> is it safe to say then that this fan base will be battle tested going into the playoffs? <laughs> I definitely think so. Yeah, I think I think, uh, you know, 2016, which it's it's even hard to count 2016. I, I kind of go back to 2014, r really, given the last, you know, full playoff experience. I think that's going to that feels like a long time away for me. That's going to feel like a really long time away when we are experiencing the stress that comes in watching your favorite team play in October. That's true. And 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 if we are battle tested. Those battles are mostly uh, flame wars between ourselves on social media. <laughs> Isn't that how it always works? I, I don't know. We're new at this. <laughs> All right, let's head over into third base. And at third base, I want to talk about a little bit of National League management coming from uh, our manager, Brandon Hyde. A couple of interesting games this past week on Sunday against the Rays and in Monday's game against the Astros. Um lot of really interesting late game changes. Um, and, you know, we talk about this every once in a while. Hyde, I think, has been something of a lightning rod for those fans who uh, tear each other up on message boards. Um, and they either think that he's an idiot or that he's fantastic. And, you know, here at Bird's Eye View, we surprisingly take a, a more uh, middle ground. Uh, we think that, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong with him. That, uh, you know, he's an adequate and, and good uh, people manager. Um, but maybe a little more average uh, with the on-the-field management piece. But that having been said, um, I was really impressed myself with what we saw at both Sunday and Monday with, you know, the double switches and, and moving of pieces on the chessboard to make sure that he had the arms in the right place and enough fielders left over <laughs> um, to work around, you know, losing his DH. I don't know. I, I was I was pretty impressed with uh, with some late game theatrics from the manager. 
I'm going to tell you. So one of them that really sticks out to me is uh, is watching the uh, the game on Tuesday. Right. So, again, another one. Gibson goes four and two thirds and the Orioles are using uh, one, two, three, uh, four relief pitchers when when Cano comes in in the ninth. Right. And ultimately they win this game nine to five. But it looks a little dicey. Um, Cano gets the two outs and, and then out comes Hyde. And I'm thinking, are you really, really, you're going to, you're going to pull Cano who I know had pitched how many days in a row, uh, several days in a row at that point. So I get it. Like I'm listening, I'm listening to the broadcast and I understand that. And, and he goes to Perez and Perez throws three of the most amazing strikes I've ever seen to get the final out. And, and I sit back and I say, why am I questioning Brandon? Hyde? Like, why do I do this? Why do I continue to fall into that trap? Like he's got the info. He knows how to pull these strings. Um, and that's really where, where I stand on this. Like that to me was just, I, I did not have the faith that he was going to come in and do that. And three beautiful, three, three looking strikes, all three of them to end that game. Um, just uh, again, uh, the latest example to me of of some of the things that Brandon Hyde does, and you know, I, I think it's worth it's worth mentioning, right? Like the Orioles probably a little bit ahead of schedule right now, right? Um, and we were talking before recording, like whether Hyde was that guy. What like was the plan for Hyde to be the guy to carry this team when they were successful in October, or? Was he the guy to get them there and they would get the other guy? Um, I think I probably lean more towards the latter before we got to this season. Mm -hmm. And I just can continue to see these types of decisions, continue to hear people that really know what they're talking about, um, sing his praises and think maybe he maybe that was a plan. Maybe he was supposed to be this guy. And again, who am I to question that? The other thing I think is, is worth noting is that, you know, it's not just a single person, right? I mean, he's got. Freddie Gonzalez, who has a lot of management experience as his Huge. bench coach. Yeah, Tim Cousins is out there. Um, and so I mentioned that I think he's a good people manager, right? I think he does well with personalities and all that kind of nonsense, which is what you need to do in a rebuilding club. Um, but, you know, if he brings in really competent uh, parts of the management team, you know, maybe that does make him an effective manager. I don't know. I, I will tell you that... Uh, I'm a little less thrilled with Tony Manzalino third uh, than I used to be <laughs> after the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, I, I am looking around for Bobby Dickerson. <laughs> All right, last. Need a little windmill action. That's right. <laughs> last and certainly not least, let's head into home. And, Zach, I'd just like to take a moment to soak it in. <laughs> The Orioles have been running. Yeah, what do you think? They've been running this this campaign. Soak it in. You know, obviously it has to do with all the water works. Um, I gotta say, I don't love it. I, I I don't know. I don't know what I want. That's the, like to be fair. I don't know what I want, but this fell a little flat for me. I, I think back to 2012 and how you know. There were so many things to love about this team, and there was like, you know, the glad you came video, and and there were, I don't know, I just don't feel like we're we're accessing the excitement of this playoff run with the soak it in uh, <laughs> campaign. And again, Orioles social team has been killing it this year. The the uh, media team with um, the the videos they put together again, just killing it. Like I'm really pleased with the the work the teams have done um, so far. I just uh, I'm not team soaking in. <laughs> well, help me out because I, I I have seen the Orioles in person, but it was in Milwaukee. So so why not? Why why are you not jumping in and, and embracing this? And you know I know you admitted right to to not knowing exactly where to go. Is this is this a case of you know maybe the Orioles uh, from a marketing standpoint weren't quite prepared for this level of success this year? Is that can that be to blame? I mean I, I think that's certainly a possibility. I I just can't imagine. Like what conference room they must have been in. And they were like, all right, rapid fire ideas. No idea is too stupid. We need a new tagline for everything we're going to put out for the next month. Go. And <laughs> then there was like either a rash of just idea after idea after idea. And like somebody's at a whiteboard like, yes, yes, yes. And they're like, you know, frantically putting things on post-it notes all over the walls and on, on glass windows. And then, 
and then they came up with soak it in. Or or <laughs> that they're in that same scenario and the person's like, all right, rapid fire, no ideas, too stupid, go for it. And then there's just silence. <laughs> Everybody's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then there's one, you know, intern in the back, like, what about soak it in? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine how that came through. That's all. It's a it's a likable group, right? You would yeah. hope that they'd be able to, you know, to to embrace some of those personalities that have been so fun this year. Um, and I hear you. It's a you know, I, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but it, it's been fun watching the broadcasts and watching them cut over to Mr. Splash and watching them cut over to the dugout of the guys spitting. And oh, love all love all it's, that. Yeah, no, it, it, but you know, turning that into a marketing campaign, I think, is I, I hear you. It, it's uh, it, it it's not quite the exclamation point I think we were hoping for. All right. Well, hey, I, I think you and I uh, should uh, step aside real quick, and then maybe you and I can get back together and do a little good bad weather. That sounds great. Sounds like it's time for another Oktoberfest. Okay, it's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, Scott is is too well to attend at this particular moment, so Zach has has offered to step in in his stead. I'm going to go ahead and get started. My good this week goes to Grayson Rodriguez. We talked about it a little bit earlier. That eight-inning dominant performance just uh, really solidified for me the fact that this is a guy that I can trust when it matters the most going into the playoffs. Um, it's really exciting to have somebody of this caliber come from the organization and be here for a, a team that's won 95 games and looks like you have a lot of fun uh, in the playoffs. So uh, for me, it's Grayson Rodriguez. Very good. Um, and for me, I feel like I just totally took chalk here, but Ryan O'Hearn, man, what a week Ryan O'Hearn had. It was unbelievable. He had the, the stretch of, I think it ended up being seven hits in a row, right? Um, and, you know, his, his average over the last, uh, over the last seven games, 440, 440 on base, um, and a 760 slugging, 11 hits over that span. Unbelievable. Two monster home runs and six RBI. Uh, you know, tough, tough game for the Orioles on Wednesday, and he's one of the few guys who, who ended up with a hit. So um, hopefully he can carry that into the next series as well. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I don't think you ever need to be accused of going chalk when the subject <laughs> of that chalk is right on her. Uh, we talk all the time about the fact that he is Steve Pierce 2.0, and uh, you, cannot, I love that. you cannot have a better story than right on her. So good, good. That's a good one. My bad this week is going to go to Anthony Santander. Uh, Wolf, he is on the struggle bus. This last week, he is at a negative 56 weighted runs created plus. But here's the thing that is just incredible. 56.5K percentage. He is striking out all of the time. He had a 092 Woba. And the thing that's most troubling about that is that he did it all in 23 plate appearances in the last week. He was a starter. He was in the games. And with uh, some of the availability issues that we talked about, you can't really hide him. Uh, so at the worst time, Anthony Santander, he was bad. Yeah, you can tell he's he's going through it, and he's and he's like swinging out of his shoes right now. I feel like I feel like he he thinks that next home run is going to get him back on the uh, on the trajectory that he was on a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's been uh, a little painful to watch. I, I hope he runs into one, and I hope that that's what he's looking for, but. I think it might take a little bit more than just that. Um, I I feel bad dogging on my guy here, but uh, you know Adley Rushman's kind of cooled off over the last uh, last seven games, so uh, down to a 208 batting average over the last two. Um, has ha- I feel like I need to recognize that he has had some big hits over that span, though, right? I mean, some big games. Uh, the the games the the win against Tampa in the 11th, he was huge in that game. Um, it's kind of the surrounding games. Uh, you know, the the few prior and um, the last two games against Houston where uh, it seems like the bats kind of cooled off. And we've seen other guys step up. I'm sure he'll be back. 
Um, but I have, I have definitely noticed it outside of, uh, of that monster performance, uh, against Tampa, um, on the 17th. Here, here. All right. My ugly is going to go to Kyle Gibson and it seems a little harsh to give him the ugly for only going four and two thirds, um, in a game ultimately that, that went just fine, but I do not accept that as being good enough from an experienced guy like Kyle Gibson at a time when the bullpen is so taxed. And so, again, love the guy. Wish that things were going a little bit better in the in the recent here. But uh team needs Kyle Gibson to step up and not step back uh, at this particular junction. So uh, just for that, it, it was a little ugly. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we're, we're rooting for it, right? I yeah. mean, we talked about that earlier in the show. Uh, we need to see it, but yeah, it, it has not been pretty. I love his accountability. You know, I love the attitude that he has about it. Again, it's just the, the fact that we need him. We need him right now. Totally. Totally. Um, not that, uh, that my expectations are super high, but Jorge Lopez, uh, falls into the category for me, just given what we've seen over, um, the last two appearances against, uh, against the Rays, um, and against the Astros, um, ERA's climbed up to 6.31 now, uh, we're looking at two innings and, uh, three earned runs, um, you know, just really shaky three home runs given up over that span, uh, just does not appear to have it. I do not have the faith. I know that there's, you know, a place for these types of guys, <laughs> but when the games are so important right now, uh, it just is not looking good. So that's, uh, falls into the ugly category for me this week. I think also it's, it's emotionally charged because we, we just want to love him, right? We, we just, like how great a story would this be if he came back to Baltimore, you know, after being a waiver claim and, and just like fell right back into being, a great piece of the, the bullpen. You know, he doesn't even need to be a dominant closer or anything like that. If he was an incredible setup man, it would just, it would be, that would be fairy tale stuff. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, <sighs> yeah, yeah, not good. All right. That's it. That's the good, the bad and the ugly. Please feel free to, to chime in on, uh, whichever social media, uh, exploit you're into to let us know what we missed or, or why we're dumb. Uh, just let us know who your good, bad, and ugly is as the games unfold. And with that, we're going to step aside, we're going to come back, and we're going to blow the save. Zach, it's that time we blow the save. This is the time of the show where we look to have a, a disappointing end, either that or pick a topic that didn't fit anywhere else in the show. And, you know, I don't want to make this awkward, but let's talk about you for just a second. Uh, I am <laughs> delighted um, that you are back to creating content about the Baltimore Orioles, um, and I would love for you to, to walk us through where we can find you and uh, you know how that's going. Well, thanks. I really appreciate it. It has been uh, a very fun outlet to have, and I'm looking forward to uh, to continuing to use it as uh, as the season progresses and October unfolds. Um, so I started a Substack. It is totally free. I know a lot of people associate Substack with the with the premium subscriptions. There is no premium subscription. I'm just looking for people to read my thoughts about the Orioles. And uh, I kept it simple, right? So BaltimoreSportsReport.substack.com. Um, and you can read it there or you can subscribe. And then anytime uh, something new is published, it'll get emailed to you. And uh, a couple articles under my belt, lots of uh, ideas floating around in my head and drafts that have started. Um, but uh, I'm just excited to be able to talk about this team because I just I, they're so they're so fun. I mean, the, this team has been such a blast to watch this year, and I just I couldn't keep it bottled up anymore. I had to to let it out. Also been great to hop back on a podcast and chat with you about all these things, too. By the way, I appreciate the invite. Um, so, yeah, please, please check it out. Um, you know, I kind of started with uh, with just reflecting on what the Orioles mean to me and how much time has passed since they've been relevant. Uh, and then of course looked at them, uh, them securing a playoff berth for the first time since 2016 and, uh, some comments that Mike Elias made that really stuck out to me. Um, you know, he, he took the time I thought right off the bat, 
just a, such a class move to, uh, you know, talk about some of the moves that Dan Duquette and the staff made, having guys, you know, like Mullins and Means and Hayes and Santander in this system and about how really this rebuild, uh, long and painful as it's been, uh, could have been even more long and painful if not for some of the pieces that were already in place, which I thought was huge, um, you know, coming off of, of seeing Mullins really step up. Uh, and and help get them there this year. Um, I just thought that was pure class, and I, I wanted to make sure I called it out and wrote about it. So um, check it out, BaltimoreSportsReport.substack.com. And where can we find you on on the X, formerly known as Twitter? <laughs> well, uh, all these posts um, are tweeted or whatever they call it now uh, at uh, at BAL Sports Report, and then my personal um, personal handle is Zach underscore Wilt. And then uh, I share stuff on Instagram, too, at Zach Wilt, uh, if you want to follow there. And, again, just on a personal note, I I am delighted that you're back uh, into the fold. It is a a richer uh, experience of of a community of Orioles content creators uh, with you in it. Uh, Your work on Baltimore Sports Report was a big inspiration for this show existing. Um, And then your uh, partnership and, and mentorship was also a big part of us you know, getting as far as, as we have. Um, so again, the seat is always there open for you, sir. I know <laughs> you were there with us on our, our hundredth episode there at Dempsey's. Um, and, uh, every, every time Scott goes gallivanting across the country, you're always <laughs> welcome back here at Bird's Eye. That means a lot, man. Thank you so much. It's been, uh, it's been really fun chatting with you. And, uh, I'm so glad that you guys have, have stuck through and continue to do this at 377 episodes. That's so amazing. And, um, what a testament to what you guys have built. It's been really awesome. And I'm glad that, that you stuck through the tough times and, uh, and are here to celebrate the good again. I will say that the last year has been a lot more fun to record episodes. That is, that is definitely <laughs> I true. Bet. I bet. Well, that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many others. I listen on Stitcher. Uh, please remember to rate and review the show. The guys appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat, Threads, which I believe is a social media platform that is not talking about putting a paywall in front of it. We are on the ticks and the talks, but for now, the best way to get a hold of us is on an app that used to be called Twitter, where we do something that used to be called tweeting at birdseyeview, B-A-L. Oh, Jake, thank you so much for letting me pinch it and uh, and talk some baseball with you. I really appreciate it, man. I assure you the pleasure has been all mine. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.